0: Hi, I'm Roy Crown from Revelation Trust, and welcome to a new series of Gospel Entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I'll find out what makes Christian entrepreneurs stand out wherever they are, in church, business, or in the community. So enjoy. I'm thrilled to have my good friend Dave Smith with me today. I've known Dave for a number of years. We've done some projects together, talking Jesus, the well being journey. He's a senior pastor at Kingsgate Community Church. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. I'm sure you're going to be encouraged. He actually doesn't think he's a gospel entrepreneur, but what he's created out of nothing, is amazing for the kingdom and for the gospel. So sit back and enjoy and be inspired. Dave, you were a son of a bishop, is that right? Was he a vicar and then became a bishop? Is that your kind of background?
1: Yes, so I grew up at Lee Abbey, which is a Christian community down in North Devon, and he was a chaplain there, then moved to become a rector of church in Chesham and then ended up becoming a bishop of actually Bishop of Hartford. Yeah so a good Anglican heritage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which obviously made sense for you to go and plant a free church but uh, let's hear your story of how you came to faith. Was it it was a result of being in a church where it was very religious? Dave what's a little bit of your life?
1: Yeah so I mean strangely in spite of all that so growing up in a Christian community I mean I was very aware of you know, the Lord was real, but no sort of personal relationship with him at all. You know, I hit teens, went into a massive teenage rebellion, remelled against everything, God, family, school. My God was, and uh, my idol was Manchester City, which, um, you know, at the time was tough and now is uh, no longer an idol, but is a nice hobby. So no, I didn't come to faith at all during my teens. I, I went to church and then Almost as soon as I had the choice not to go, I stopped going, which I think, you know, many people do, sadly. So the real turning point was I went up to Oxford to study history. Some people in the Christian Union, unbeknownst to me, were praying for me. I was on, like, their kind of prayer list. And they invited me up to, to Snaldates, which, you know, large student church in the centre of Oxford. Time I think there's about 1,000 people in a service. It was incredible. Anyway, so I went into this service... Can't tell you anything about the service, the message, other than I remember in the final hymn, I must have known it from the past because I remember singing it. And then during that hymn, suddenly, for the first time in my life, I just felt overwhelmed by the presence of God. I was almost like trembling. I felt almost like a sense of incredible love just coming all over me. And it was almost as if the Lord was just calling me to himself being kind of quite stubborn and independent and not wanting to make lifestyle choices. I kind of knew it would be an all or nothing. So it took me another kind of seven, eight months before I finally said yes. I actually went back down to the Abbey to a student house party and then prayed a salvation prayer, invited the Lord into my life. And it was, it was it really was an all or nothing deal. I remember almost like giving It was like I'd been driving the car of my life and, you know, gave the keys to the Lord and said, right, Lord, now you take over. It was just incredible. For me, it was a definite, not just an intellectual decision. It was a massive download from God. I felt a peace, a joy, a new sense of purpose. So that was at 19 and it changed absolutely everything.
0: And what a great spot. Lee Abbey, those of you who don't know, is a kind of retreat centre that runs camps and house party amazing ministry and continues to flourish today and dave so then you've got a new direction you've got a new sense of purpose obviously you're going to become a vicar that that well, <laughs> that's the kind of trajectory there isn't it dave
1: well so i had a you know great 18 months at Snall dates and then all I can say is I just felt a prompting that I was to just explore, at least for me, what felt like a more radical journey. So I ended up in this crazy little house church on the outskirts of Oxford. I got baptised and I think it just was necessary. I think it shook me free from a whole bunch of stuff. And so in effect, I left the Anglican church. I'm very grateful for my kind of charismatic Anglican roots, as is my wife, who got saved on an early alpha course at HTB. So yeah, so ended up there, continued doing my studies, ended up doing a doctorate on George Whitfield. So I had kind of three years full-time and then four years part-time sort of swimming in the revival river of the 18th century which was incredible.
0: Because they were very entrepreneurial, weren't they? The Wesleys and the Whitfield, they saw the gospel as the redemption of the whole community and work. And just amazing, Dave. You've got any insights you want to give us from that little doctorate that you did?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Whitfield particularly. I mean, Wesley's more well known today because of Wesleyan Methodism. But Whitfield was the real entrepreneur in that sense. He was the forerunner. He was the one who went out preaching. You know, So all the churches started filling up and then he got excluded from the churches. And so he started preaching in the open air. Now we can say, well, what's the big deal? In that day, for an Anglican vicar or minister to get up and start preaching in the field was something only the radical dissenters did, the non-Anglicans. But he saw... These massive, massive crowds. I mean, I think conservatively, 30,000 in the open air. Some reports say 80,000. I think that was probably overcooked. But he preached without amplification to these tens of thousands of people, would position himself strategically so the wind would kind of catch his voice. I think there was something a supernatural anointing must have been. But people could hear him perfectly at the back of the crowd. And that was just the, the natural kind of thing going on. But then the supernatural gift of evangelism and the revival of which he was a catalyst, both in England and in Scotland and in the American colonies, was just incredible.
0: Yeah, and they said that the unblushing lawlessness of that century was stemmed by two people, Wesley and Whitfield. They actually transformed a nation, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of started with some individual conversions. Many, many leaders or future leaders, many Baptist leaders, many Congregationist ministers got saved under Whitfield. So you had these whole kind of this new raft of new evangelical preachers and ministers getting into the churches. And then after Wesley and Whitfield, then you've got Wilberforce. and so what started is almost like a church move spread out into what uh, was known as an awakening. And then it led almost into literally a reformation of the whole of society and then missionary societies
0: around the world. And the great thing was it transformed businesses, factories, work, and it was very entrepreneurial. So you got a load of creative business. It was just I think any evangelist like myself was always read those people and and it's brilliant communication because he was brought up in a pub where he heard great stories And he knew the gift of storytelling to engage an audience like that, didn't he?
1: Yeah. And the equivalent, I suppose, of their kind of Hollywood of the day came to hear Whitfield preach to find out how to communicate. (laughs) So there was both an incredible heart for God. He was like on fire. And there was a natural gift, and the two came together.
0: So you studied that, and then like an entrepreneur, this is why I think you are a gospel <laughs> entrepreneur, you created something out of nothing. What, what what was that that you decided we we're gonna plant a church? We're gonna just go and have a go.
1: So just for a very short time, leading this small church towards the end of my studies, and then the organization we were working with is a new church network basically had a base over in the east as in huntingdon and so talking to the leader said you know would you come over and start a church somewhere nearer to huntingdon and the options were cambridge i actually love cambridge we now have a centre in cambridge but at the time i thought didn't want to go back into that environment bedford was an option but then just in conversation, it became clear that Peterborough was the place we were to go to. Nothing in the natural appealed about it at all. <laughs> Unlike Oxford, had a premier university. Peterborough you know, is about to have a university, but one of the largest cities that hasn't had a university. It's completely flat. Oxford, you've got the Cotswolds. <laughs> and it was miles away from family and friends. And so we kind of were kind of almost like parachuted into this city. I mean, at the time, I remember talking to... Lord Mowinney, you know great godly man and he said when he first came to the city which was before us the Anglicans had nicknamed Peterborough the Dead Sea as in it was so unchurched so we came into this un you know very unchurched city and we started with nine people we grew up to 15 after 18 months and then had what I call a backdoor revival <laughs> which was gut-wrenching. and ended up with six of us. It was myself, my wife, our baby, or a young daughter, Emily, and three other people. And it was just a real kind of test of faith. I think the thing that kept us going, moving from Oxford to Peter, somebody had a prophetic word for us, and the word was, think big or you'll limit me. That was it, think big or you'll limit me. We started kind of dreaming of a large church. Didn't know what it would look like. Started- so you're
0: thinking big and you're declining. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely that's exactly it. we were praying for thousands and they were staying away in their thousands you know I look back at those first four years were still only 25 people as I look back at that time it was one of the toughest of our lives and if you came to visit then you'd have thought hey there's not a lot going on here there's no evident fruit above ground but I would describe that as a season of root work rather than fruit work God was helping us put deep roots down in him in his words Holding on to his promises when not a lot was happening, learning to be married, (laughs) learning to bring up a young family, learning how to be generous with our finances when we didn't have much—all those kind of principles that now, years later, they're kind of second nature spiritually. Were things that many of them we learned in those first sort of tough years.
0: So, entrepreneurially, you've got you—you believe in a desired future, you can see it, you've got faith, Mm but. Four years battling away, that's quite a tough call to, to live in that environment without seeing quote unquote breakthrough or kind of move to another level, Dave. How did you live in that
1: world? So I had a teaching job, so, so we moved, I went straight into like a public school teaching history. So that was kind of it from a work point of view, but that was like six days a week, we did a Saturday. Yeah, of course, well. yeah, like teachers and, are. Exactly, had to preach virtually every Sunday because there was hardly, there's no one else was finishing the thesis. And honestly, it just tested everything. But I think God used it. Um, I remember at one time, almost a sense, I mean, there were plenty of bad things in my past, but I felt like almost for the first time in my life, I was trying something that mattered and was failing badly. I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I resign. (laughs) I can't build this church. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I sensed a whisper in my spirit, almost like a smile from heaven. And I think what it did, it kind of dealt with a sort of sense of human self-sufficiency, any sense of, can I do this in my own strength? And so I think something of that humbling process, it just threw us on God. And then by the grace of God, God started, although there were only a few people, they were key people. They were people who came alongside and said, we believe in what God's doing here we believe that there's going to be breaks. So they started praying, we built friendships, we built a sense of community. And so although it was tough, that there was a sense of the beginnings of something that kept us going. But honestly, I look back and I just think by the grace of God, we made it through. And then after four years, we started doing with only 25 people. And I felt the Lord saying, right, now it's time to resign from your teaching job and go full time. That was with 25 people. Now, <laughs> from a entrepreneurial point of view Roy you reckon 25 people does not equal a salary so in fact from that there would have been no money for salary with everything else we're trying to do the church I remember uh, handing my notes in the January and felt no worry at all no stress at all I look back And I think that's where you get a gift of faith.
0: Karen might have been a little more stressful than you, Dave.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I don't think she was. I think God gave us both. I mean, (laughs) you'd have to ask her. But but I'm pretty sure both of us just felt, okay, God's in this. And then we came to the summer and we went away for a week's holiday and came back. So, you know, by the end of August, all the money would have run out from teaching Right. And that Sunday we came back and four new families joined the church, decent income, whatever. Long story short, by September, the salary was there. And it was almost, I think, that we had to put our actions into our faith. And from that moment on, so we grew, almost doubled overnight. The following year, we nearly doubled, the year after that. And then almost for about a 15-year run, we were just growing 15, 20% every year, blessing and favor, but I think it took that step of faith to actually it's like I don't know how these things work, but God in his grace.
0: And there's together. no escape from that, is there? Because you know, without faith, it's impossible. I mean not just a good idea without it's impossible to please God. So I think absolutely yeah yeah so but then obviously if you go and see Kingsgate now there's a massive auditorium. You've been very entrepreneurial in the development of the ministry that you've done so so obviously god's favor people are coming to faith you're growing but you're continually looking at the new thing and and thinking well what's next even now you're thinking what's next so you've kept that kind of spirit yeah in you so tell us a little bit about we're getting a bit big, should we get our own building? What, what was that like as a pastor? Because I'm sure many pastors listening, they've been in that space. So it started out, we basically
1: started moving from venue to venue in the city. You know, small community hall, bigger community hall, bigger school, another school. And we ended up in the regional college, which was the largest sort of auditorium in the city. Only seated about 400. And then we got to the point where we started out growing that. And we ended up in three services, you know, had to have like a video link out into the dining room. I mean, it was just mayhem. But actually, before we got to that stage, I think it's one of these things. How do you hear God? There was just this conviction that we would need a building. And so we started looking for a site and we actually had a prophetic friend in Rachel Hickson who came in and just in the middle of a meeting just said, the Lord says it's time to buy land. And, you know, it was like all out of the blue and then moved on it was kind of a confirmation for us we're on the right track long story short we ended up getting a six acre site we prayed over it we'd started raising money for it we went to planning on it and we went to the planning committee and lost it four three on the vote they said no wrong part of the city you can't build now thankfully we never said to the congregation thus saith the lord this is the site it's hard to recover from that one. But nonetheless, there's such a sense of disappointment. I remember going out of the town hall, you know, almost like rebuking the devil. And I felt the Lord sort of saying, hold on, this is me. In other words, I felt the Lord saying, I'm overruling this. Now, when the Lord says I'm closing a door, it doesn't automatically, but I sensed, OK, well, then there must be another door. I remember having to get up to the church and say, look, we're not going to badmouth the city council. We want to honour authorities. We want to bless them and we want to trust God. Six months later, we ended up, somebody found another site for us. This time it was 12 and a half acres, so double the acreage. It was in a much better location. You've seen it, nice tree belt, very near the ring road and whatever. And we then went back to planning. This time we're doing lots of community work in the city. We got favour from the sitting MP, favour from the opposition candidate massive favour from the CEO of the City Council. We went back to planning and this time we won it 9-0. So, oh, happy day. It's been such a blessing. And honestly, and this is where I slightly push back on the entrepreneurial thing. I've, I have had no business background at all. We have never, ever done anything like this. Made so many mistakes on the, journey, on the building journey. But by the grace of God, we ended up with this incredible facility
0: well a lot of entrepreneurs are not businessmen they no. they just see an idea yeah they kind of trust god and and then what i think god does dave and i'm sure this happened with you is he brings people around you that that can bring those other gifts and strengths to enable you to deliver on the vision, which is spiritual transformation of lives and community transformation with social enterprise. So it yeah. still takes the entrepreneur to see what's not there, yes. but then you don't have all the business acumen to do it. And I think many entrepreneurs don't. They yeah. they they see an idea and and they go with it, but I think it's true of social enterprise as well, Dave.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would probably the term I would use would be like visionary leadership. Is just probably playing the language here. But you're right. I think there's an absolute key is that thing of seeing something that is not just a figment of your imagination. It's not ego. It's, it's just you sense God is saying something, you know, and we don't always get it 100% right. Sometimes, you know, I often say I'm good at seeing what we should do. I'm just not always good at the timing. And then you're right. I mean, definitely you know you know some of our team I mean God has surrounded us and brought incredible people in with pastoral gifts with managerial gifts organizational gifts otherwise you know it's this. thank God for team and the body of Christ eh? yeah and it
0: takes a leader to recognize that and that you're the kind of orchestra director at yeah. the front conducting but you can't do it all and you've got to have people, the ability to do that, that that's what you do. But we just did a well-being journey because even though you've achieved all this day, there was a moment where you were thinking, I've got some internal struggles that, because I think when, when we see entrepreneurs, we often think, oh, they've got it all together, they're extremely successful, whatever. And that may be the case, but sometimes God is doing something in us. And the well-being journey came out of that. Give us a bit of that story, Dave. Yeah, so
1: it was five years ago, really. I was meeting with some friends in leadership and they just happened to mention how they were navigating a massive leadership transition from one area of responsibility to another. And they talked about how they'd basically connected with a spiritual director and a psychologist. And the words of this friend was, without their help, we probably wouldn't have made it. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. We're not in crisis. I wasn't in crisis. I wasn't aware there were massive issues, but I I thought prevention is better than cure. I've never had a spiritual director. We never had any counselling. Let me have a go and see what happens. And to my surprise, it began to open up some kind of inner issues that I mean, I wasn't like in major sin. I wasn't depressed, but some areas of drivenness aware that some of that was rooted in a fear of failure. And just felt the Lord started ministering a wholeness of his love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And learning to manage the tension between a God-given drive, and if you like, the shadow of that, a fleshly drivenness that isn't necessarily good for me or necessarily for people around me. And, And that's still that honestly, that's still a journey five years on. But really, out of that came the sense of okay, I'm learning to go deeper. I'm learning what it means to be genuine at peace to be at rest. We've always been quite good at Sabbaths but you know take time out, <laughs> getting better sleep. So looking at and then out of that came you know the basis for the well-being journey, which was this idea of almost like a, a well-being dashboard and the interrelationship between our physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial and vocational well-being and you know asking ourselves the question, you know if this is your dashboard, are you on green? amber or red and realizing that for me, it was probably the emotional area that were the warning signs and beginning to deal with that then helps me physically and vice versa and spiritually. So out of that came these resources and the the partnership we've been involved in, which has been such a blessing. I'm so grateful to you and the
0: team. And if you want to find out more about that, it's wellbeingjourney.org. And Dave has written a book, God's Plan for Your Wellbeing, which is a part of that and just some tools that have really been entrepreneurial from nothing there was nothing there and we then created this in pretty short time during covid and i think prophetically again seeing things that are not there it was the right season because everybody is now thinking about well-being and what that looks like so again that kind of gospel entrepreneur, seeing things that are not there and god was doing something in dave's life we came alongside uh so do Check out those resources, and uh, if they can bless you and serve you, we'd love you to do that. Dave, we're coming into land. Is there anything you'd want to say? People are listening. They may be thinking, am I a gospel entrepreneur? You church planted from nothing. Anything you want to leave us with? Well, I think,
1: you know, often, you know, you hear this thing, knowing God and knowing yourself, I I think is absolutely key. So I think the first thing, whatever we're called to be, I think getting to know God better and knowing his love and then getting to know ourselves, the worst thing any of us could try and do is try and be something we're not. But if there is that seed of visionary leadership or in your language, gospel entrepreneurship, then I think you can trust that God is more committed to you and I fulfilling our potential than we are. And so my kind of confidence looking back over three and a half decades, is that as long as I keep following the spirit, as long as I keep allowing him to do a deeper work, and as long as I don't let fear hold me back from moving forward, and it's difference between faith and recklessness, but genuinely moving forward in faith, surrounding ourselves with others who are good checks and balances to any visionary leadership, then my prayer for anybody listening would be that, you know, God would bless you and increase you and bless you to be a great blessing.
0: Amen. And I think sometimes, and it's great, David, I think sometimes fear can cripple us. Yeah. But there's a healthy fear when you're kind of stepping out as well. So that kind of energizes. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we live with both, you know, and I think it's the right kind of fear, fear of God. God, you've got to come through. We're stepping out. We're going forward. But a fear that won't do what you're gifted and what is just crippling and not what we're called to at all. Yeah. And also,
1: I think not to plateau. I mean, you know, we're now thinking big again. I thought the Lord saying just as we're beginning, hopefully, to come out of COVID, it's time to think big again. So, you know, we're now believing for a building in Cambridge in the future, which is another whole deal. It'll be very easy. Just sit back. No risk. but actually felt like no. And again, I think that's a a redemptive gift because at the end of the day, we've got to keep thinking big. We've got to keep pushing forward back to Whitfield and Wesley and everything because the bottom line is we want to see souls saved, lives transformed, not just now, but for all eternity. So I think I kind of try and partner with the spirit in that because I know ultimately it's not about me. It's not about my calling. It's about other people's lives being transformed.
0: And the reality is... The mission is in te- you know, we're, we're not seeing the moves that we want to see, and, and we've got to keep stepping out. So, Dave, it's been an absolute joy, as always, to have this conversation. Thanks so much for joining me, and God bless you in all you're seeking to do. Thanks, Roy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave, for joining me today. I told you you'd be inspired. He's got an amazing story and obviously that encounter and to grow a church in the first year from 10 down to six is always really interesting. And the fact that you've got to stick at things, it doesn't always happen in the first six months. So thanks for joining me today. I trust you've been inspired. I look forward to next week with another guest. But if you've enjoyed Gospel Entrepreneurs, I'd love you to leave a rating or a review if you can. Thank you for listening today. It's been great to share this time with you. Gospel Entrepreneurs is a UCB podcast in partnership with Revelation Trust. God bless you.